Good evening. Good to be with you once again, and I hope that you have had a blessed week and just enjoyed your time with Melvin last week. And I pray that you would sense that you are blessed by God. It's so important. We know that there have been some horrible things that have taken place in the last week or so. And we can't really say why other than that God is still on the throne. And that's not an excuse. That's a reality. He knows everything that is going to take place. And we want to pray for those who have lost loved ones. We want to pray for forgiveness. And and I know that's difficult because... We all have those emotions that find it difficult to forgive. But God tells us to forgive. And somebody might be saying, well, how would you respond? I can't really say because I'm not in that situation today. But what I do know is this. God wants all of us to forgive those who hurt us who bring sorrow and sadness into our life. He wants us to forgive them. Because forgiveness is not so much for them as it is for us. It's when we forgive, the healing begins in us. And that's the thing that I think we need to recognize more than anything else. Holding on to hatred, anger, malice, vengeance, just destroys your life. And God says vengeance is his. The Lord will repay. And let's pray for this young man that who committed this hideous crime of taking the lives of ten people. And hurting others. There's no words to be said. um, To comfort the family per se. But what we do know is this. As long as he has breath. He has opportunity. For salvation in Jesus Christ. No matter what we've done in life. Salvation is still offered to us as long as we have breath. And I pray that today and not tomorrow or the next day, this young man would come to a true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and repent of his sin. And I pray that for many others, that they might come to a realization of their sin or their rebellion against God and repent and be saved through Jesus Christ. Now we're going to be speaking about those who are against Christ. And in our culture and society today, we see this is growing. America has been titled for many years a Christian nation 
that may not truly be today because Christ is not the center. And we're trying to merge everything in to this religious thing that everybody, God, is acceptable. And that's not true. I respect another person and how they believe. But I do not respect what they believe. But I respect them. And I love them because God commanded me to love them. And to do all that I can do to help them and be a friend to them. I just cannot agree with them on what they believe. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's only one name given unto heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. There's no substitutes. There's no exchanging of names. There's only one name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. So let's pray and let's get on with our study today. Our study is going to be concerning the second beast in Revelations chapter 13 from verses 11 through 18. And what we want to see is that this second beast is acting in many ways like the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Trinity, with Satan somewhat being the quiet partner, but yet giving the authority and directing even to the first beast, and the authority to the first beast is acting like the father to the son, and then the first beast who was fatally wounded uh, comes back to life or is restored to life in a symbolicness of Jesus Christ in a sense and now this second beast who comes on the scene a little bit later does not come to speak of himself but he is a false prophet and he's going to teach and he's going to make the world bow down to the first beast who is acting somewhat in the place of the Holy Spirit to form this detestable imagery of the triune God. And he will even demonstrate miracles and signs and so forth to cause people to believe in that first piece. So let's pray and then let's get into the study. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the loving kindness that you show us each and every day. Even in our worst days, you still love us and you are still the God of all comfort. And you are still the God who says you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And you're the God who gives us victory and allows us to be overcomers 
in the most difficult situations that we may find ourselves in. Thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we are the people of God, the children of God, the saints of God, because of the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to share this name with every Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, neither are we to try to force people, and we should not do it. We should not try to make people become something they don't want to become, because it is the work of the Holy Spirit that has to bring man to a place where he's convicted that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and that he himself needs Jesus for salvation. So, Lord, we pray that even as we speak today, that someone may take time out in this message and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You work in a mighty way, Lord, because it's your work. And we're only co-laborers with you. But the work of salvation is something that you and you alone have to perform. Work it, I pray. And may your Holy Spirit, who is the divine teacher of your word, teach us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in that Revelations chapter 13, it talks about the first beast and then the second beast. And each one is playing a certain role. It talks about the dragon. And over in chapter 12, it explains who the dragon is, uh, the devil, the Satan. So it's nothing that is being hid from us. And yet there is much that is hid from us. We don't know the times and all the little ins and outs of the book of Revelation. We do the best we can in trying to explain it with the knowledge that we have of God's word. Now, understand this. It is not man's opinion that really matters. It is what comes from this word and the word itself explaining the scriptures. And we want to back what we say with this word, with scripture, that you can see it for yourself and you can read it. And then the Holy Spirit, he convicts based on the word of God. That is true. And if you believe that is true, then it changes your life. If you do not believe that the word of God is true, your life will not change. You will go ahead and live the type of life you want to live. But every man who has the hope of the return of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ as a personal savior purifies his life because he is reckoning this word of God to be true. We have to recognize it or we don't. It's just that simple. I recognize it even in the hard areas where I may not 
be able to truly understand every little detail about it. I don't know who the first beast is or the second beast is. What I do know, they are of human origin that Satan will use. And the scripture gives us a little bit of characteristic of the second beast also, as he did with the first beast. Now, what we need to also recognize is simply this. When all this will take place, nobody can tell us. But on the other hand, it is already, in a sense, taking place. Boiling water takes time to boil. For people to become upset and tempers to fly, it takes a little time. It speaks about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 about a rebellion that takes place. Rebellion doesn't just happen the spare of the moment. So in Second Thessalonians 2, 3, it talks about until the rebellion occurs. But rebellion doesn't just start from just two days ago, a week ago. Rebellion could have started 50 years ago, 100 years ago, two lives ago. And it takes some time at times for people to rebel. The Tea Party, Boston Tea Party, it didn't just happen the night before, just planned. It's something that was brewing for years. The revolution between Britain and America, it just didn't just happen. It was brewing for years. The wars between the North and the South is not just something that just happened in the last year or last six months. It was something that brewed for over 400 years of slavery. This is taking place. And the scripture is telling us <clears throat> that the Antichrist or the attitude or the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work now. And that's something hard for us to accept because in America we say this is the land of freedom of religion and this and that. We got so much freedom we don't know what it is. It's, it's beginning to harm us and hurt us. But the freedom that we have to believe, I, I thank God for such a freedom that I'm not someplace and I am told I have to believe exactly this way or that way. Or I will be killed or whatever because the way in which I believe. So in that I am thankful. But I am seeing a surgeon of people in our country who are not accepting the freedom to speak of Christ anytime, any place, anywhere, or to show forth your Christianity in your workplace or or speak of Christ or what Scripture says. There is this thing today, be what you are, 
but don't speak what you are. Be what you are, but be watchful how you act on what you believe. So there's a lot of things that are happening that somehow is causing Christianity to be toned down. And people are rebelling against Christianity because they are fearful of it. January 6, 2022 did just not take place because Trump was not re-elected. That has been boiling before Trump ever became president. And I think we need to understand that. There's been a temperament change, an attitude change in America that's been under the radar for some time. But yet it is beginning to rear its head and to show. And only God knows what our real future is going to be. But we're so thankful that we know he holds our future. And that we can believe what David said. He's never seen the righteous forsaken. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you will not be forsaken. I want to assure you on that. No matter what the situation may be, you are not going to be forsaken by God if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. For what Satan is doing, <clears throat> he is doing little by little by little by little. Deception is something that takes place very slowly. Deception works on the mind and then the heart. Deception is a form of trickery, lying, deceiving, trying to make people believe what they see and what they hear is true when it's really false. And we need to understand that. And Satan, he is at work. One of the things that the second beast is called is the false prophet. And we understand that word prophet, and we understand, hopefully, the word false, that they really are not a prophet of God. They are a false prophet. They are a prophet who is speaking, but they are not speaking on behalf of the living God or our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They are speaking of the Antichrist, that which is against everything God would stand for. And you understand that the word Antichrist also means in place of or substitute of. And that the Antichrist is substituting something else for the real, for the real God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts something else in his place that people can worship and believe in. And we need to understand that this is what the second beast is all about. That's his purpose. Now, go to Revelation 16 with me. 
and look at verse 13. 16, 13. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Out of the mouth of the false prophet. That second beast is that false prophet. Go ahead over to 1920. Revelations 19 and verse 20. Now I want you to look at what he's going to do. And we're going to look at what he's going to do in chapter 13. But in 20, it really explains it. Even though it hits it again in Revelations 13. Listen to what he says this second beast does. Or this false prophet does. He says, but the beast was captured. And with him, the false prophet, who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded or deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. That he deceived all those who partake of a mark and he tricks them into worshiping or causing them to believe that this image is a divine image of the living God and that people would bow down and worship this image. It's amazing what he does. But yet people believe it because of the miraculous miracles and signs that he performed that are false, but yet real to the eyes because people are going to see them. But the falsehood is this. They're not from a divine God. They're from Satan. And yet this was a way of proving that divinity in this image or this first beast that he was divine and that he was God and he sits in the place of God in the temple we go back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 now we need to also understand in 20 and verse 10 listen to what it says <clears throat> And the devil who deceived them. Who is it that really gives the deception who leads this second beast in its deceptions and false miracles and false signs? It's really Satan, the devil. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where he where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The false prophet and the first beast eventually winds up in the very pits of hell. And all those who they deceived and tricked 
and worshiping this image winds up in hell. Why is that? Because of this thing called choice, freedom of will to choose. They were willing to reject the truth and believe a lie. And people are still doing that today. They are rejecting truth and they are believing a lie. Go back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and come to verse uh, 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. Not so much the beasts. They are being used, these two human beings that Revelation describes as beasts, the first beast, the second beast. They're two human beings who in themselves have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and would not believe what Scripture said about Jesus. But they believe Satan. They believe the lies of Satan. And they are then used by Satan. And he calls them the first beast and the second beast. They are human beings that are being used by Satan against everything that God would desire man to be able to enjoy and especially the joy of salvation. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, that deceives those who are living, but they're perishing. You're living, but you're dying. Real life only comes through Jesus Christ. And you're perishing, though you don't see it. You are slowly dying. And God yet loves you. I cannot say that enough. And the only way you can turn around this death is through the Lord Jesus Christ, is through repentance. And enjoy eternal life rather than an eternal death. And he says, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. They refuse to love. There's the free will. There's the choice. They refuse. How many that may be listening to me are refusing the truth? I hope that you stay with me as we go through Revelations Chapter 13, 11 through 18. Maybe we can show you or help you to see the deception that you're in and who's doing it to you. And he says then in chapter 13 and 11, he says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth among human beings, among humanity. He said, He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. Boy, that is some separation between two images here. Quite a difference that takes place. Two different characteristics 
How many of you have ever seen a lamb with two horns on it? But yet, the lamb is someone who's always gentle, has no defense. But this one has a defense, has horns. And then he says, he's like a lamb. So there's a deception there. We believe him to be harmless, but he's not harmless. He has the ability to hurt you with those two horns. And then he said he has the voice of a dragon. Now, a dragon only does one thing in science fiction or in any type of things about a dragon is that they destroy. They destroy. He had the voice of a dragon. The destructiveness of that voice. And the other night, and I want you to understand the word antichrist. It's, it means to oppose, but it also means to put something else in its place or substitute something for the reality. Now, <clears throat> the other night, I was just listening to news on NSNBC Prime Time, and they were speaking about this separation, a theory, not law, between church and state. And they were running some captures of how some pastors have made statements about no Democrat could be a Christian. And all this other stuff putting people down because they made a decision to stand for this position or that position. The only thing that keeps you from becoming a Christian is not accepting Jesus Christ. When a person accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, there have been those instantly changed in a sense. Our position has changed and sometimes our life isn't changed as quickly. But I'm no way at this point, the moment I accept Jesus Christ, I am no longer heading towards hell. I'm heading towards heaven. But there's that time of transition of God taking away the old and replacing it with the new. How I used to think and now learning how to think differently from a different viewpoint because of scripture as I learn it. And it changes the individual, which does not happen quickly, but it does happen. And one ought to be able to recognize that it's happening in their life. But NSNBC, on this program, was degrading Christianity to such a point, if I was not a Christian, I would be fearful of Christianity. If I didn't know 
what Christianity was. Well, hello once again. And if I didn't really realize what Christianity means, if I didn't know the scripture and hadn't had years of study with it, I could have accepted what was being said about Christianity and seeing Christianity as something to really be fearful of, cautious of, and not wanting to have any dealings with it. But because of knowledge of God's word, I saw it really as an attack on Christianity. Educating a society to be fearful or very cautious about engaging this religion or this thing called Christianity. And I think at some point that becomes the work of the Antichrist. That sometime we don't see it. We just allow it to happen and we don't want to admit that, hey, this is real. This is really happening. And that what I heard on that show frightened me to even think that Christianity would be looked upon in this manner. But it is. And that's how people are getting their information about Christianity to many of our news reporters and their investigation about Christianity. I would again, I would have been convinced that Christianity was not good news, but bad news. If I did not know the word of God and have experienced Christianity for myself and what it is to be a Christian. And yet Satan is deceiving many people by turning them away from the truth, away from Christianity. It doesn't look good. And because it doesn't look good or sounds good, and they've never picked up this Bible to study it, to to ask God to show them, but they've never spent time with a real Christian. I'm not saying a nominal Christian. I'm not saying someone who's just religious. I'm saying someone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ in a very personal manner, that you spend time with them to hear their testimony, to hear their word and their love of the scriptures and the truth. And what has happened in their life that is far different than what was being reported on this news show. But what I want you to also look at, let's look at the deception that really takes place. And he says he saw this beast coming out of the earth. He had these two horns. And the very first deception is this lamb. As I said earlier, a lamb is usually defenseless. He's got two horns. Two horns can hurt you. And he has the mouth 
of a dragon. And the only thing a dragon's ever done that we see in a sense in science fiction or any stories about dragon is that they're burning up everything that comes out of their mouth before it catches fire and boy, just destruction. But he says in verse 12, look where he gets his authority from. He's not from himself. He says, he exercised all the authority of the first beast. Now catch this, because this is the timing of the sim similarity of the Holy Spirit is what follows now. That he exercised the authority of the first beast on his behalf. Remember, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he would not speak of himself. He would take of mine and he would show it to you. It would not be about the Holy Spirit. It would be about who? Jesus Christ. What is the second beast doing? He is uplifting who? The first beast. Acting as the Holy Spirit would act on behalf of Jesus. People are seeing this, though. People are really seeing this take place. That's what I can't emphasize enough. I can't say when it will happen. Again, I would say some of it's happening now. But he says he's doing it on his behalf. Who's his behalf? The first beast. And made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast. He is doing things in such a way that makes people feel as though they have to worship this first beast. And it's all through deception. It's through lies. It's through false miracles that take place. And I know today a lot of people are skeptical when they hear that someone's been healed or someone uh, who's been deaf can hear. Uh, and I would say for you in this fashion, know it for yourself. And secondly, always go back to Scripture. Jesus is still healing. Well, how do I know that? My son. <laughs> My son. And the things he's been able to accomplish in life, which all the doctors, when you look at his medical records when he was young, said he would not be able to do. And yet today he's doing it. And then what God has done in my own body, in healing my body. I can say, he's still healing. Now, is he healing everybody? No. And someday, I'm not going to be healed. Some sickness, something's going to take me out of this life and into the presence of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Death is something man cannot evade. And it's going to happen to every one of us that as long as Jesus tarries, we're going to experience death. No matter if I live to be 110, at some point I still have to die if Jesus has not come. And I cannot stress that enough. But these people are deceived and they are made to worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. There's that 
illustration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A fatal wound, there's no life. But he's been healed of it. And he has life. He's brought back to life in a sense. Which is a copy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And people are going to see him. And people are going to know he had a fatal wound. And they're going to believe what they see. And then when you come on down a little further in verse 13, it said, And he performed great and miraculous signs. People are going to see these signs. And they're going to think, boy, this is from God. And it's not. It's a deception. They're going to believe that it's a divine act. But it is not. And performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth. They're going to be able to see it. But the fire doesn't destroy anything as far as we know. But is that he can call fire to come down out of the sky, down to earth, and people are going to see that. So we have a religion that is not so much a faith but of that which you can see and the deception of what you're hearing. And he goes on and he says, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he's doing them for what purpose? For the first beef, the first beast. In verse 14, he's doing these signs, he's doing these wonders, all for the first beast. Everything the Holy Spirit does for us in this time right now, he does it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this second beast is going to try to fill that role of being like the Holy Spirit. And people are going to accept that because they're going to see him. Because remember, it's a real person. And he says, <clears throat> because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived. He deceived. All of the signs are a deception. For what purpose? To place something else in the place of God. To put a substitute there because people want to worship. People want to believe in the divine. People want to believe in a God. That's why we got so many gods. Because people want to believe. Look how many gods there are in India. Look how many gods there are in the world. People want to believe. We cannot run from that. That man wants to believe in God. The question is. Who is the one and true God? Who is the one and true God? There's a lot of false gods, a lot of false prophets, a lot of false imams, a lot of false individuals, a lot of false Buddhists. We have a lot of falseness out here. And somebody is saying that about Christianity, and I understand that. But I believe that Christianity... If it is really looked at, if you really sincerely ask Jesus Christ 
to come into your heart or let him know you want to know truth and you're seeking for him, you'll find him. He's not hiding. And if you really want to know him, you start asking the questions if he's real or not. You start digging into scripture and searching it out for yourself. Be a Berean and search it out to see if it's so. And he said he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. People are not deceived unless they're willing not to seek out truth. Not to seek out truth. Just accept it. And that's one of the things that's hurting Christianity today. People who do who go to church without the word of God who do not have the word of God on their phone or their tablets where they're following that pastor, there's a problem. We go to church to learn this, to learn this scripture. And we learn to worship the Lord in truth. What is truth? This word is truth. And we come to a place to surrender ourselves to the scriptures. God is not a liar that he should lie to any man. Search the scriptures. Search the word. And he says he deceived many inhabitants because they're ignorant of the word of God. And the deception takes place. Now somebody's going to say, well, there's been a lot of so-called religious people out here that's been deceived because they just follow what a Jim Jones says. They just follow whatever. They, that's even the problem that happened with Trump. Too many people followed what the pastor said, go vote for, rather than open their eyes and searching it out for themselves and praying about it. We're not in a perfect world. When you only have two people running and I don't care if you had ten men running, or or five women and five men, it doesn't matter. What we forget is that we live in a fallen world. And all have sinned that come short of the glory of God. And there's a work in every one of us that only God can perform and do. And even there, as long as we're in this body, we fall short. We fall short. And it says, he deceived the inhabitants because they decided to, they decided to be blind. They decided to close their ears to anything else. They decided to believe only what the second beast is saying. But let's go a little step further. <clears throat> he says he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived you're going to set up this image that men are going to have to worship and the thing is if you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 20 and you will discover that Jesus said to make no idols, make no images, 
and don't worship those things. Exactly what God says, he puts in place of and calls men to perform and to do what God said not to do. Need to catch that very closely. It's not what God said to do. But people are believing that that first beast is God. And he ordered them to set up the image in honor. In honor of what? His so-called resurrection or his coming back to life. And who he was. That he's some divine figure. And then he says, he was given power to give breath. Breath always means when you see it in scripture, breath is always life. Uh, the breath of life. The breath of life. It's always life. And we need to understand that he says, for he, he's living. He's living. He's alive. And he gives him this breath of life. This image, this stone, this wood, whatever it's made of, he causes it to breathe. The second beast does. He causes this image to breathe. But then he causes it to do something else, to speak. He causes it to speak. He says, in order then to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak. So that it could speak. Now here comes the area that sometimes can be a little confusing. Is it the first beast or the image of the first beast that is going to say if you do not worship me, you will be put to death. Or is it the second beast saying it? And at this point, I would assume it is the image of the first beast that is doing the speaking here. Because he gave him power to speak. And people are going to believe him because he speaks. And it says... It could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. Now, who are those who may be killed? Go back to 13 and look at verse 8. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose name have not been written in the book of life belong to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Everyone who has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, even during this horrific time, they're going to take a stand, and because they stand and will not worship this image, he orders them to be killed. He orders them to be killed. Now, in Matthew 10, 28, it tells us, fear not those who can only kill the body. <laughs> and that's all he can do, is kill the body. But we should not be fearful. People who 
love the Lord Jesus Christ should not be fearful of false prophets and so-called divine individuals, no matter what they do, if it doesn't come from here and fits within these pages, don't bow, don't worship any man-made objects. It's just that simple. Yet, he's saying, Man's going to be made to worship the image of the first beast. And if they don't, they would be killed. Now, when you get into verse 16, something else also takes place. Because in verse 16, it says, okay, you're going to choose a side. There's not going to be any middle ground. There's not going to be that, okay, you can be this, or you can be that, or you can be what you want. There's going to be two things. Either you're going to be for this image, or you're going to worship Satan. You're going to worship this first beast, or you're going to worship God. There's nothing else. Nothing else is accepted. Now, man always want to argue that there can be something else. Those who would argue that there can be something else are going to be killed right along with the Christian. You can say you can believe in this and you can believe in that. You can believe in this here. Uh, there's not going to be this freedom of religion that we know today. You're going to either believe the way it is stated or you're going to be killed or persecuted. And it will not be a light persecution. It will be a very, very severe, severe persecution that takes place to those who will not accept the mark. And he says here, he also, and I believe is going back to that image that is speaking now, not so much the second beast. We can put it either way, and some do. But this image may be doing the speaking, or the second beast may be doing the speaking. But the issue is simply this. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark. Don't matter who you are. Don't matter who you are. If you want to live in this society at this time, you're going to have to have a mark. And that mark is going to distinguish that you are a worshiper of the image. If you don't have the mark, is going to distinguish you as a Christian or maybe something else, but you're going to be killed because of it. And he simply said, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. With all that is taking place today in our culture, with all the disfiguring of our bodies, I don't see it being difficult talking people into taking another mark on their body. even though they may not really know what it is. 
but they will take it. And it's a mark that distinguishes for them that they are worshippers of the first beast, the image of the first beast. And he says, without that mark, you can neither buy or sell, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark. The mark. And often we presume the mark to be 666, but the 666 is the mark of the man. And it could be that same mark. I don't know. But it says a mark. Unless he had received the mark. He can't buy or sell. So you can't buy groceries. You can't pay for your gas, your electric. Uh, all the comforts of life have disappeared because you cannot pay for them. And nor can you buy them without the mark. Anybody caught selling to you or dealing with you who don't have the mark, they would most likely have to forfeit their own life because they're assisting you who have not taken the mark. But then he says to us a little something that, again, in time, in this B part of 17, in verse 17, he says, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, he doesn't give us a name. And he says it's the number of his name. Now, let's go a little further. Now, he says in 18, there's a possibility that at some point in history, we're going to be able to figure this out. Because God says, Wisdom and insight. Well, that is always something that is given at a certain time um, for people to be able to identify and make decisions and to know. But right now it's not given. But look, listen to verse 18. This calls for wisdom. Wisdom that can only come from God, not from man. If anyone has insight, if you have the insight of that time and what's going on in that period and you're seeing everything and you're lining everything up with this, he says, let him calculate the number of the beast. Let him calculate the number of the beast. So there's something that still has to be what? Calculated, figured out, thought through. And he says, let him calculate the number of the beast. For it is man's number. It is man's number. It's what we use. It's something we're accustomed to. It's something that is not really strange to us. But it's going to take wisdom and insight. And he says, his number is 666. Now, whatever that 666 is, and there's been a lot of guessing about what 666 means. Even to some people who take the alphabet, sometimes where I forget exactly how it starts, you take the first letter, count over six, then you do another six, you keep counting the uh, three sixes or whatever, and you're supposed to come up with a, a name, but there's all kinds of things that have been out here about how to recognize 
this person, but God says without wisdom or insight at that time, you won't be able to. But through wisdom and insight, you will be able to understand that person and what it means, 666. Well, I hope I've not been confusing to you, but to help you to just clarify a little bit about the function of the first beast and the second beast. And I hope that as we continue through this, that we can just help make clarification. I'm not going from Revelations right on through uh, from book one to book two, but certain topics in Revelation that we're going to really be looking at and trying to dig into as much as we can to help clarify what we are reading and for understanding of what we're reading. Well, I want to thank you for this time that you've given me. And I pray that as God gives us wisdom and knowledge, that we will live in such a way as children of God. Do not put it off. If you never ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the scripture says today is the day of salvation. And don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at your life and ask yourself, do I need a Savior? Do I need someone to help direct me? Do I sense or feel that I need to be forgiven? Have I sinned? Boy, ask yourself some questions about your own life. Just don't go through life ignoring the spiritual part of your life. But open it up to the Holy Spirit and allow him to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to deliver you from your sins and save you to the uttermost. Well, let's pray and I'm going to just say God speed to you and God bless you. Father, would you continue to minister to us each and every day? Would you guide us, Lord, through your word and order our steps? Thank you that, Lord, you are always there for us. Would you speak to the heart that is seeking to know you? Would you speak to us who want to know more of you? Would you order our steps and guide us? And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May you have a wonderful week in the Lord Jesus Christ. And be careful out there. We do live in a dangerous world. It's an evil world. It's a wicked world. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. God bless you and God keep you. Bye.